welcome to Medium Cool, a movie podcast. I'm your host, Austin Glidden, and as always, you can find us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Medium Cool Pod. That's facebook.com backslash Medium Cool Pod. You can search Medium Cool Pod on Instagram, and we will pop up and at Medium Cool Pod on Twitter. You can also email us at mediumcoolpod at gmail.com. Also, like, subscribe, follow wherever you're listening to this, whatever the word is, do the thing and keep up with all the fun things that we're doing. Um, today's episode is, is pretty good. Um, you know, I'm going to be gone next week, so I'm recording this a week early and, uh, I'm taking my daughter to Disney world. And so this would be a fun time. And I basically have been hoarding 2022 movies. Uh, I've just been watching them and just waiting for this week. And then, uh, I'm going to be starting, as I mentioned, I think last episode, I'm going to be starting a, uh, what the hell am I trying to say here? A another like live stream podcast basically called Last Week in Wrestling, and I'm going to be doing that with my friend Charlie Eckenbarger, who's been on the show before. And so uh, we were talking about doing some kind of uh, preliminary social media stuff because it's going to be coming out March 14th again. Last Week in Wrestling. Um, you can go to twitch.tv backslash lwiw Last Week in Wrestling. LWIW pod. So twitch.tv backslash LWIW pod. And uh, that's what we're going to be doing on Monday nights. We're going to have, uh, starting on March 14th, we're going to have some wrestling talk. So uh, we're going to be doing a little bit of news, but mostly kind of reviews and retrospectives and things of that nature to be a fun time. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, well, actually, we'll probably be talking more about that in a bonus episode that you could go listen to now because it should be releasing at the same time and uh, or at least soon. And, uh, you know, Charlie is a really fun guy. We were supposed to do some stuff whenever we recorded this episode anyway. So he's like, hey, man, why don't I just come on and like talk with you? And then as soon as we're done, we'll just like do the podcast, the other podcast stuff. And I was like, hell yeah. So uh, I brought him on, and he hadn't seen like half the movies I was going to talk about, so I kind of just talked about them by myself. But this was a fun episode, but we went almost three hours. We just like geeked out and had a great time. So uh, yeah, anyways, uh, this is pretty pretty much the first hour and a half before we got into kind of wrestling talk, because we started talking about our podcast, and um, yeah, it was just interesting. We started with a, a documentary called You Cannot Kill David Arquette, which came out in twenty. I think it was wide release last year, 2021, but it was a 2020 release in terms of, I think it hit festivals and whatnot. Uh, But uh, that movie's awesome. So we were like talking about that. And uh, yeah, one thing led to another. We were talking about wrestling. Fun time. So uh, without further ado, though, I want to jump over, see what Charlie's up to, talk a little bit about some 2021 or 2022 movies. Sorry, 2022 movies. And um, let's see what's going on. All right, everybody, I am here, uh, as I said in the intro, but as a recap, uh, this was supposed to be a solo show because we're recording this early because I am uh, going on a vacation. I will be out of town when this drops, and I was going to do some 2022 movies that I uh, have seen recently, and I was just going to do a solo show, and then uh, I've been really, really busy, and my good old pal Charlie, who's been on the show before, Charlie Eckenbarger, he uh, decided that he would help me out and just kind of have a little chat with me about this. But there's even more to this story. Charlie and I are actually starting a podcast of our own, which will be a live stream, and then it will also be posted online 
uh, called Last Week in Wrestling because guess what? We're wrestling geeks and we're going to talk about wrestling, namely AEW for the most part. But we'll talk about wrestling at large. It'll be great. And we're actually going to talk a little bit about that podcast later and uh, do some fun with that. But Charlie, say hello. Yo. Wow. Hello, Austin. How are you? That was really loud, Dick. Anyways, um, no, it's fine. So uh, I I do want to get this uh, 2022 thing out of the way here. So let's let's talk about this a bit because I've been promising that I'm going to talk about some of these movies uh, that I've been watching. And uh, if anybody listening wants to, you can follow me on Letterboxd. I keep up with all the movies I watch um, so you can kind of get a little you can get a taste, get a taste. The gabagoo. Um, Oh, yeah. Uh, Did you did you watch that uh, that being the elite thing I told you to watch? No. It's funny because you're doing like you're doing John Silver's bit right now with the Gabagool thing. You got to watch it's this a, thing. It's, it's a so funny. Pat McAfee bit as well. So yeah, he sucks. Anyways, we'll talk he about sucks. that later. Uh, <laughs> see, fun for the whole family. Okay, uh, so Johnny Hungy. Yeah, Johnny Hungy, dude. So uh, <laughs> movies. Uh, I I, I want to talk real quick. I know you haven't seen all of these, Charlie. So the ones you haven't, I'm going to try to sell you on them. All right, or at least tell you why you shouldn't watch them. Uh, <laughs> And uh, but let me know what you've seen, because I know you've seen some of these and I know you were going to try to fit some of them in. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first one I know you haven't seen. And uh, I've been talking about this. This is the first I watched of this whole batch this is the first one I did, because uh, as most people know, and I believe, you know, this as well. Uh, Amelie from 2001 was the film that got me into movies. And just for our listeners out there, Charlie just condescendingly laughed whenever I uh, brought up Amelie because he's a prick. It's. Only because I've heard this story so many goddamn times <laughs> over the years I've known you. And Always so, and, back to Amelie. And so have the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> All of them shared your face. But Again no, I, the, uh, the, the thing is, uh, Jean-Pierre Jeunet has progressively gotten worse, I think. Um, and not that his movies are like garbage, like they're not bad. It's just, you know, uh, you know, he does Amelie, he does a very long engagement, which is arguably uh, even a better movie, like just in general, even though I like Amelie more. Uh, but then he, you know, he goes a few years without it. He does a movie called Micmacs uh, from 2009, which I own. I, I actually like that movie, but it's very much style over substance. You really start to see Junet get into this thing where it's like, let's just hire contortionists to like do weird shit uh, for no reason. Are you trying to interrupt me right now? Is that what you're trying to do? I was, I was going to say it's all sizzle and no steak. All sizzle, no <laughs> steak. Thank you, Jim Ross. That's right. And, um, so uh, he does Big Bug, though, and apparently he's been trying to make a movie for a while and he could he kept shopping these ideas around. No one would take it up, take him up on it. My understanding also, and I've done very little research on this movie, but the little things I've learned is apparently uh, he was like, and I could be wrong here, but from what I read, though, he was kind of like, all right, I'm going to go to a streaming service as a last resort. Like, I don't want to do that. And then he ended up working with Netflix, and he's talked openly about how great they've been and how much freedom they gave him and things like that, and he actually ended up enjoying it. So you can check out Big Bug, which came out this year, February 11th, 2022. Jean-Pierre Genet did the film. It's on Netflix. Uh, I'll just start with the rating. I gave it a two and a half out of five. And, uh, and, and the only reason it earned that, because quite frankly, guys, this is not a very good movie. So, Charlie, this is a skipper for you, okay? You do not need to watch this movie. You do not love Jeanette as much as I do. So you're not even going to have. Go ahead. I, I do want to. After you do the sell, I want to ask a question related to this, but I want you to do your thing. But I do have a question I kind of want to get into with you a little bit. 
based around something you just said. Okay. Well, uh, basically with uh, Big Bug, the fact that Amelie director Jean-Pierre Genet uh, made his first movie in nine years um, and it's quietly dumped on Netflix without festival play or advanced press of any kind uh, after Genet insisted that he would never partner with the streaming service or at least only do so as a last resort. I think that's really the only review you should need you should need for Big Buck, okay? <laughs> like, like this is very much a style over substance. Um, this is pretty much uh, a film about a group of people that get stuck in a house that is uh, basically a house built off of, like, AI systems, basically, and these, like, uh, robots. Like, they have a robot servant. They have uh, basically the equivalent of Alexa or you know, any of those um, sorts of uh, devices and they get locked in their own house because there's like, it's basically the beginning of like a robot apocalypse, basically, right? And they get stuck in, but instead of everyone being like genuinely terrified, they all just want to fuck each other, basically. Like that's the whole movie is they're just like, cool, we're like stuck in here. You want to fuck? So it's just, yeah, horny French people stuck in a house together during the robot apocalypse of 2050. And that's the movie. Uh, But it is ultra quirky Junet. So, like, I'm just here for it. Like, I just like his quirkiness and weirdness. So uh, I was a big fan. I was it's the first film uh, that he's released, actually, uh, in 13 years, I'd say, in terms of his ultra quirkiness. He technically did a movie. I mentioned nine a second ago. He did a movie called The Young and uh, Prodigious T.S. Spivy in 2013. And that movie uh, and I knew uh, we were hanging out at the time, Charlie. Uh, and uh, I lived with uh, I lived with Jason when I saw this because it came here in 2014. And it is actually a film in English. It is not a French movie. It's like a film in English. Um, and it's like his first English made film to uh, other than Alien Resurrection, which I act like doesn't exist. Uh, and it's so bad. And uh, but, you know, this that movie I mentioned from 2013 doesn't really feel like a Junet movie. But I can't help uh, but find Junet's style entertaining, you know, like there's just something about how quirky and weird his camera work is and the effects he has. There's this one robot that has these huge bright white teeth like they're clearly fake, you know, and his eyes he has these contacts in. So they're like super duper blue eyes and he just looks fake and it looks awesome. Like I actually really love this guy and the way that all the robots talk and everything. It's like. I just really like the quirkiness of that. However, the movie isn't good. So again, ultimately, it's just like, why don't I just watch a YouTube video of this? It'd be more interesting than spending two hours. But again, I gave this a two and a half out of five. I'm kind of indifferent about it. I I had an entertaining time, but overall, uh, it's really something that you can pass. It's just got some weird shit in it. What do you want to say? I mean, I mean, I was sold when you said uh, robots and horny French people. So, I mean, I might watch it based on that, despite your review. Um, but what's interesting to me, and I don't know, I haven't watched as much Janae as you have, obviously. Um, and the stuff I have seen is stuff like Alien Resurrection. <laughs> um, but what is interesting to me is something you said that, uh, you know, he had a hard time selling this film until he got to the streamer. And I may be conflating or building who this guy is up more than he deserves, perhaps, because I've heard you talk about him so often with Amelie. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. But in my mind, Janae is a pretty prolific filmmaker in a lot of ways. How does he have an issue selling a film? Is it because he's had a bunch of stinkers in the past few years? Because it's been nine years, I think you said. Like, why? Why 
to somebody like him who has an audience, he's kind of an auteur in some ways, maybe not in some ways, maybe he just is. How does he have that issue? To yeah, me, I, that's like fucking Tarantino not being able to get a film. I don't get it. Yeah, you're you're certainly taking what I've said and assuming a lot about him. I certainly um, am because I don't yeah. know anything about him. So I'm asking. I mean, you, yeah, yeah, you said it up front, and 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 you're right. Like your 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 the possi- your assumption maybe or whatever your your mm-hmm. possibility is is true. Um, he was huge off of Amelie. And then a very long engagement came out and then he took another five years to make another movie because his movies are too quirky. People don't this. These are not w- movies you can sell to wide audiences. He's actually never made a movie with the exception of Alien Resurrection, which was still not for all audiences. Uh, but that one and Amelie and a very long engagement to a lesser degree that was never as popular as Amelie. Uh, those two movies, though, Alien Resurrection and Amelie are the only ones that were even seen on a wide scale. So whenever he did a very long engagement, like because you have to remember this too, a lot of critics and stuff, though everyone kind of gives Amelie, you know, like a thumbs up and it's just like, yeah, it's a fun movie. No one thinks it's the great movie. Like a lot of people don't think it's like the great movie that I do. Like, I love that movie. You know, I also have like a soft spot in my heart because it got me into film. Mm-hmm. But like, a lot like I remember like the I don't even think it was at the Cannes Film Festival because they just like did not see the merits of the film. Like they're just like, this is just like a uh, feel good romp, basically. You know, like it was very much kind of just seen as this like style over substance, whatever. Right. So uh, looking at it that way, yes, he got over with some audiences, but for the mo- it's still foreign. So, like, you know, he's not having this shit dubbed and everything. The reason why is because he wants the movies to be his own. So the studios were like, cool, cool, yeah. So why don't we change this and this? And he's like, fuck no, I'm not going to. So you have that kind of, like, guy trying to stick to his integrity, quote unquote, right? Like, that's what he's uh, kind of masking it as, when in reality, he's just really stubborn about it. And and fair fair game. If you can get it made the way you want to, why not go to Netflix? Like, So kind of follow up then how because the way you just described him based on the very limited watching I've seen of his films or have, uh, have done of his films. How is he different than a Wes Anderson who makes super quirky stylized films? Like what makes him different And Wes Anderson clearly get anything he wants made. Right. Yeah. Um, what, where is it? Because you think it's the foreign aspect, like people just don't get it in America or in Western relations Western in America. Because it has, you know, has to be dubbed and this, that, and the other thing, or what? What makes him different than Wes Anderson? Unfortunately, I do think that's part of it. I do think that's part of it. Mm -hmm. Wes Anderson's a billion times better filmmaker than Junaid. You think so overall? Even though I love him. Yeah, he's... Mm -hmm. Junaid doesn't have a fucking chance. Yeah. Uh, Wes Anderson is, I think, one of... I've, I've said this even recently. I think in 20 years, some people would say he's already there. I don't think so. I think give give Wes Anderson 20 years and he's going to be looked back as one of the legendary craftsmen um, in cinema, period. Uh, I think he I don't think anyone can touch him in terms of craft right now. There are different types of craft. So it's like I I get that there are different things. You shouldn't compare, you know, the power of the dog to Wes Anderson. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just a different Scorsese versus Wes Anderson. Yeah, it just (laughs) that would just be weird. Um, You can't do it. It's. Anyone who's kidding. doing meticulous craft like that, I mean, I would put Wes Anderson in many ways on the same level as a Kubrick or someone like that in terms of craft. Now, he is sure. style over substance. I love Wes Anderson, and I think he has like a place in history, um, mm-hmm. but he is not making 
Citizen Kane's, nor is he trying to, but I'm just saying, like, I don't think there's a whole lot of heart in his movies. They're very much just fun, entertaining movies that have cool. genuinely masterful <laughs> and incredible craft. Yep. He is incredible at making something look a certain way. And and it's really hard to watch something when you have someone who is so masterfully executing something. It's hard not to watch it and just go, fuck, this is good. Like, even if I can't relate to it. Think of Derek Delgadio's uh, In and of Itself. I made you watch that, right? Amazing, does, amazing film. It no, doesn't even... Yeah, it doesn't even matter. It was on my top 10. It was in my, it was like my number six from last year. That's mm-hmm. how good that shit is. And it's like yeah. a live performance. It's rating is TVMA. It's, <laughs> it's amazing. I <laughs> but, actually, I, maybe I've said this on your podcast before, but I actually, any like f- creative class I teach now, I, that it's required viewing. Like we watch in and of itself. Just it's so fucking good. Um, I mean, whenever you can take the cinematography, it's just amazing. Whenever you can take, uh, you know, a magic show and make it more like really transcend the art form into storytelling. Because what do we do? You and I, even when we do the wrestling thing, there's no way we're getting away from storytelling. Entertainment, no, yes, but we're always going to. That's just always our our lens, right? It's, yep, and, and, arts. and I don't <laughs> know way. if any I think people can be as good, but I don't think anyone's better than him. At, at finding unique ways to tell stories. I mean, and so, like, I'm talking Wes about Anderson, that. Like, you mean? No, I'm talking about Derek Delgadio. I'm getting back to Wes Anderson. Ooh. But I'm saying with that thing, like, I mean, I mean, that, like who, who really can good, transcend man. the medium that they're using that way and tell a story? Who, tell me one magic user who has ever told a story that good. Carrot Top. <laughs> <laughs> my point exactly, right? Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. like, my point is that getting back to Wes Anderson, like, I don't know how someone can watch, and, and trust me, get on Letterboxd, you'll see people, but I don't understand how people can just look at Derek Delgadio and write a comment like my friend did, just say, snake oil salesman, or something like that, right? Like, missing and the it's point. like, just missing, missing the point. The point. It, it didn't like, land right over you. your just- head. Too highbrow, I guess, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, and I don't think that's literally true, but it is no, weird, no, though. It's like, how do you not see what this is about? Like, this is it's not about trying to get one over on you. They're not trying to work you. He's very clearly doing magic tricks and talking about them as illusions. Oh, yeah. He talked about how it took him 10 years or something to learn, like, 32 different ways of holding yeah. cards or whatever. He's telling you the behind, like, the inside baseball. Yeah, he's giving it up. Yeah, he's giving up the thing. And at no point is it ever suggested that he's doing that. The whole thing is about the story. Even towards the end, he's not saying, it's like, oh, I have this some weird telekinesis power to be able to do these things or whatever. This is the story I'm trying to tell, and this is how I'm telling it, and he's relating it to everybody in the audience. And it's... Yeah, he's using magic as the vehicle, but who gives a fuck? It's not about the magic. You yeah. know, it's it's just an amazing amazing performance. And and but my whole point Wild. bringing it back to Wes Anderson, which will eventually get back to Junet and Big Bug is uh like you can't watch De- Derek Delgado's in and of itself. I can't imagine how someone could watch it and at least not see how impressive that is. Again, I know a lot of people that don't like it as much as you and I. Okay, definitely. I mean, that's like that is just They're an wrong, incredible thing. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I agree. But but it's like, but I can't imagine anyone watching that and not just being like, "Fuck!" Like this is interesting at least. So my point is, I feel like whenever there is true talent, excuse me, I burped. Whenever <laughs> I didn't hear when there it. when there is true talent. 
I I can't imagine like how people hold on let me start over when there's true talent I think that draws people in this could this goes with sports uh this could be wrestling I mean look at the rock you know like look, look at the rock even when he was a wrestler at that time there were like 10 million people watching wrestling yeah now it's hard for people to get over a million you know what I'm yeah. saying Damn. So it's like like these people were really in a different culture. I get all that. But the point is they were really getting people, right? Because they were masters of their craft. Uh, Wes Anderson's very much that. Junet, for as much as I love him, is not. Um, he's not nearly as meticulous. He doesn't tell stories. Like, at, at the very least, Wes Anderson uh, enhances his stories with his visuals, I would say. Uh, and many and often his stories aren't really much worth a damn, but his visuals make them worth it. <laughs> I, I, I have seen. I mean, we've talked about this. I don't love Wes Anderson. I love what looking at the visuals. I love seeing what he's doing, but the story often makes very surface thin or makes absolutely no fucking sense to me. Um, I, I shouldn't say it makes no sense, but it's just it's, it's too much, and I don't care about it because the visuals, like you're saying, is what really grabs me. The reason to watch them. Yeah. Uh, for, as a storyteller, I think his story gets across, but I don't think it's where the focus is, like you're saying. Yeah. Um, it's, it's and it's very that. clear when you watch it. I mean, think about the French Dispatch. I'm way far away from Big Bug, but I don't care. So uh, think of the French Dispatch. Uh, and I don't know if you've seen. Did you see that? No. Okay. That was like the one that came out last year. No, I didn't see so it. So the French Dispatch, this is the story. There are three stories, uh, each of which are told by a journalist, basically. Um, like, okay, so there, there's this uh, paper called the French Dispatch or whatever, and uh, they're trying to basically uh, create an issue uh, covering the three best stories that they've ever had. You know what I mean? And so we learn those stories as we watch them told, right? And then he plays them out in very, very creative ways. That's the story. There really is no story. It's just someone literally telling you what happened, and he just makes it interesting. He fucking yeah. knows what he can do, and he knows what to make the focus. You can't watch a Wes Anderson movie and think the story is the focus. This isn't fucking my dinner with Andre, okay? This is like all visuals. Like, that's the point. And, and again, not everyone can be, in my opinion, uh, like a Kubrick who can do both yeah. uh, and do the art part like just like all the things like <laughs> i mean that's why he's my favorite but anyways uh back to big bug Jeanne will never be a wes anderson let alone one of the masters i just think he makes some entertaining movies but they've just got progressively worse big bug is entertaining because you know it's it's just fun at times not always i never really felt bored or like like ugh, when is this over i'm not checking my phone every five seconds like that happens sometimes. Um, oh, yeah. Nothing on this list, I don't think. Um, but yeah, this was this was fun enough. But I'm a huge. I just have a soft spot in my heart for him, Junae. So um, I mean, you can <laughs> check it out if you want to. It's on Netflix. Uh, it's it's a fun movie. Again, um, because I would rather have a conversation with you. I'm not going to talk. I won't count any of these as proper <laughs> reviews. Uh, but they are. Uh, I will at least try to give you guys some uh, some in, insight into these movies. Uh, Big Bug is, is uh, uh, there are some moments though that are really fun. Uh, I will say this. There is uh, a point where the people who are trapped in their own house uh, basically are trying to escape, but they have to get past like these, uh, like these robots. Right. Uh, so they tried, they come up with these weird, almost like caper, like, <laughs> like plans uh, when they're not fucking each other. 
there actually is not really any. There's like one sex scene. I, I'm acting like it's like the whole movie. It's not really, but they're just like all horny people in this house, basically. And uh, but they're like trying to get one up on on this like master robot, basically. And they're coming up with all of these ways that they could get around them. And uh, it's just, it, it's a that part's a lot of fun. Uh, that's probably my favorite part of the movie, actually. Uh, it, it, it's 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 pretty good. Uh, but long story short, Big Bug's just kind of a pass. I don't really feel like wasting a ton uh, of time. <laughs> Uh, on this movie, it, it, it's I, a I derailed it trying to learn more about uh, more about uh, the director filmmaker. No, I love it. I love it. You just helped <laughs> me fill twenty one minutes, so we're yeah, good. You're, you're welcome. Uh, That's what you bring me in for <laughs> filler. <laughs> yeah, you're the ringer, dude. That's right. No, so um, the next movie is Kimmy. Did you ever get a chance to see this? I know what it is. I ate and it was Soderbergh. Uh, I know. I want to fucking see it. Uh, I did not get a chance to watch it though. I did not get a chance. Hey. I, it's on my list. I want to. Listeners, uh, at Austin Glidden or at Medium Cool Pod on uh, Twitter and tell me who this is. Yeah, man, I try to watch a movie a day. I'll totally fit these in. Who do you think that is? <laughs> it's I, well, to be fair, I did watch movies, just not those ones. I did watch movies. No, just I'm just not giving those you ones. shit. I told you you didn't have to watch them. It's fine. Um, that one, after I looked into it more, because I didn't know what it was when, when you told me about it. And, you know, Alex Soderbergh, I think what he does is interesting, at least most of the time. Um, and the premise of it seemed cool. So I'm, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it, because uh, I did add it to my my watch list on Netflix. Yeah, I think or whatever it's, streamer it's on. I can't remember. It's I think on it's uh, HBO Max. HBO Max. There you go. Yeah, it's uh, so th there's a lot to this, actually. So this is uh, Kimmy from 2022. It came out in February 10th, so a day before. Big Bug. It's on HBO Max if you want to check it out. It stars Zoe Kravitz and it's directed by Steven Soderbergh, written and directed. This guy, now talking about prolific, using that word, uh, it goes to this guy. This guy makes a movie a year, sometimes two. Yeah. Um, this the guy, I mean, this is this is another kind of like. And then the side projects, um, right? Like the things he did with like Indiana Jones and like remixing the sound with the, the social network. He does all sorts of shit. He does a lot of weird shit. And, you know, he's retired already and come back. So he's got one of those yeah. under his belt. Uh, he made a great show, The Nick. If you've never seen The Nick, it is so fucking good. Oh, yeah, uh, that's with the, the the autopsy room. Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's about it's about a, yeah. It's about the Knickerbocker Hotel, um, or uh, oh, hospital. This, sorry. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, dude, it's fucking great. Unfortunately, it's on Cinemax, so no one can ever see it because who fucking never. has Cinemax? I literally bought a month of it just to watch the show. It's fucking <laughs> awesome. Seriously. But I say this to say, uh, you know, he had he did Kimmy last year. He did No Sudden Move, which I was also a big fan of. Not a great film, uh, especially because it gets convoluted at the end. Um, like to a detrimental degree, I think. But it is uh, a super fun movie. I told you to watch it after I saw it. I didn't. You, you, <laughs> big surprise. Um, but like uh, you're a big dialogue fan when a, when a movie do. does dialogue well. Love and uh, I love the story of No Sudden Move and the dialogue really drives it. So it's mm -hmm. good. I never saw Let Them All Talk, which is a movie he made in 2020. He did The Laundromat in 2019. Never saw that. I've seen um, The Laundromat. But, but when, when I go back, though, and I, I look at the movies I have seen, which is pretty much most of the others, um, I'd say this is probably... I said this about No Sudden Move, but I think Kimmy's even better than No Sudden Move, so I'll even say this again. I think it's his best film uh, since The Shea uh, Part 1 and 2 movies he did in 2008. So that's like, how many fucking years is that? 14 years? It's a long or time. Something? 
Yeah. Damn. I mean, this is because I liked Contagion. It's good. I liked uh, like Haywire was fine. Girlfriend Project was our experience was fine. Yeah, Side Effects fine. was fine. Like all of these, you know, They're just behind movies. the candelabra. Yeah. Fine. yeah the, you get the point, right? Kimmy is cool for multiple reasons. Um, I give this a four out of five. Same thing. I gave no sudden move, though. This is better. Um, first off, the gentleman that we talked about before, Derek Delgadio, uh, he plays a role in this movie, which was oh, no shit. very I mean, exciting. I'm, I'm super in immediately. Yeah. Um, and now he's not a major role, but he is in it occasionally here and there. Uh, it is a pivotal role, but it's not like he's not in it a lot quantity wise. Really awesome to see him in it for no other reason than in and of itself rules. So like it doesn't <laughs> even matter why he's in it. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I, I remember watching this and I kept thinking, speaking of Amelie, she has kind of Amelie hair in this movie. Uh, but it, I, I kept calling this like in my head. I just kept thinking this is like Gen Z's version of the conversation. The old uh, Francis Ford Coppola movie about audio mm-hmm. and deciphering, uh, you know, basically a crime that he hears uh, in an audio file. And he gets really obsessed with it. Um, you could also say Blowout, the uh, John Travolta movie. It's very like has that kind of a thing. But this is the Gen Z version. Because uh, Zoe Kravitz plays, um, I don't, I, fuck, I didn't write down her name. Uh, way to go, Austin. No, Kimmy is actually, <laughs> Kimmy is actually the software that is like uh, Alexa. There is a different brand that is Kimmy. So you hear her say things like, Kimmy, turn the music off or whatever. Yeah. And then it happens. Uh, but Zoe Kravitz plays uh, Angela Childs. And, which sounds like some like 1940s author to me. But yeah. uh, she's on but, a cooking show. <laughs> yeah, that's actually way better. Uh, but but uh, Angela is a she works from home. It's during the pandemic. What I'll say this real mm-hmm. quick. I love that this is a movie uh, that acknowledges COVID, but it's not about COVID. That is mm-hmm. really great. They never talk about it. She just wears a mask. Um, she is uh, agoraphobic, so she's afraid to leave her house uh, in part mm-hmm. because of the pandemic in part because of other things. It's not about that, but you get that that just all feeds into her just wanting to be home. She works right, from right. home on her computer. She has a sweet setup, by the way. But anyways, <laughs> uh, she, she works from home and she listens actually to Kimmy uh, recordings of people like that make recordings and things. Um, and she is the one it, it's, it's not um, like in a voyeuristic way. It's when people talk to Kimmy about problems uh, like, like, why are you fucking up? Like, uh, so one of them was like, play such and such artist song, or it was a uh, play me by the Rolling Stones. I just made that up. And then she would be like, you know, the device was confused because they, the device was looking for like a song. So the device would say like, what song would you like to hear by them? And they'd say, play me Rolling Stone, like by the Rolling Stone. So the language, right? Like yep, it's all yep. about, uh, how English is fucked up basically. So she's like fixing these problems and troubleshooting them, right? That's the whole point. But she That's actually cool. she hears like a crime. Um, so she thinks. And so it becomes about that. And it becomes about her trying to alert the right people. And That's shit cool starts premise. shit starts building up. So the first half of this movie takes place in one apartment. So it's very stripped down, very simple. Mm-hmm. But when it opens up a little bit, I was like legit. There is a scene in my head right now, edge of my seat. Like this is a thriller. No shit. Um, and I was that is what made it hit that four mark. Like it was a three and a half out of four of five for like most of the movie. And then once we got to that, like 
about uh, two thirds of the way in. It was <laughs> like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, this is good. Uh, right. I, I really like this movie. The cast is really bizarre. Uh, <laughs> Buzz from Home Alone. You know, Buzz. It is uh, the the mean cousin uh, of Macaulay Culkin's uh, character. Uh, the mean cousin that has the tarantula and, and mm-hmm. um, the playboys and shit. Yeah, which is weird. And he's I didn't kind realize of he was awesome. still a working actor. Me neither. <laughs> <Because of> you. <laughs> Me neither. But he's kind of awesome. I actually really like him in this. Does he still have um, like the, the, the flat top? <laughs> Didn't he have a flat no, top? You can, no, he just looks like a normal dude right now. Can like, you tell it's him though is what I would need yeah. to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but we watch Home Alone every year, like multiple times a year, uh, yeah. my wife and I. So um, like I've looked him up before. So I also just kind of knew what he looked like. But I think you can kind of tell. I think it would be one of those things where you see him and you're like, is that? I think that's the guy. You have to look <laughs> they, him up. Then you go look it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's how that works. But uh, like he's in it. Uh, the cast is perfect, though, outside of uh, like Zoe Kravitz and that guy. And I don't remember anyone else I recognized. There's no matter. Um, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. You, you got that. <laughs> uh, but like but the cast is still perfect because like they're like thugs in it or whatever. Like these mafioso. Thug- they're not mafiosos, but I mean, like thugs like that. And uh, they're like just perfectly cast. Like they look kind of like weird and I don't know, it's just cool, dude. Um but yeah, it's it's a, it's a great premise and again, I love that it is very much not only like a Gen Z movie to a T, but it's also very relevant to today without making it about today. And um so you have a good thriller in the pandemic era. And yeah, it's probably uh, the best pandemic movie I've I've seen. Watch Contagion. And then watch this because contagion will start the pandemic. <laughs> and then you can see what happens in the aftermath. Yeah. I mean, I, I, once I read the description and like when I'm like wiki and read the synopsis and all that sort of thing, I was bought in, but, uh, hearing a little bit more about it. Um, it's going to, I feel bad. I didn't watch it so we can talk about it before. Cause it sounds like something I would probably really enjoy. Yeah. I think you will like it. I think that might be the thing you would like the most on this list. Actually. Um, but we'll see because I know you didn't watch the Fallout. Uh, no. The Fallout's the other one from uh, 2022. You can watch it on HBO Max. Also, came out January 27th, 2022. This was the first movie that got a little bit of buzz that I heard about uh, that was released this year. Is uh, written and directed by Megan Park, and the cast. The only person I'm going to mention is Jenna Ortega. She was also in Scream, the new Scream movie, uh, which I don't plan to talk about, even though I had mentioned to you I might. Uh, but uh, Jenna Ortega is <laughs> is the one that's on the phone at the beginning and is in the hospital and all that. Well, she's in this. Um, and what what I find interesting is uh, this is a this is a film that's really about trauma and medicating that grief with affection um, and trying to kind of avoid the conflicts that you have. Um, but what it is on the surface is it's about uh, these teenagers who are in high school and they are they experience a school shooting. Um, and, uh, these, you know, these, uh, youths, uh, are in the bathroom when it happens and they're hiding in a stall together. And, uh, after the fact, they don't feel like they can really relate to anyone else, but the person mm-hmm. they were with, because they experienced the same thing. Um, even though they're kind of different people, they weren't in the same friend group, but they kind of become that, uh, but Breakfast it's, club it's in- over a school shooting. <laughs> kind of, yeah, kind of, but also it's, uh, you know, last year, my third favorite movie of the year was Mass, and it was about how the parents of a victim and the parents of a shooter can actually sit in a room and talk, so there's your talk movie again, you gotta watch that one, 
I did um, watch it after you suggested great. it. I did, I did yeah, watch it. it's very much a, it felt like a Charlie movie. Fantastic film. Fantastic yeah, I mean, it's really incredible. And uh, But that's about the parents' perspective, and I thought that was really great. And so I, I feel like, there and there are more movies about school shootings lately. I don't know why this is like automatically just like a, a well, fad. Because it but, went away during COVID, so now they feel like we can talk about it a little bit now. Yeah. Um, it's weird. I mean, yeah, apparently um, we beat COVID, though, so... You know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, whenever you work at a university like you and I do, um, you know, it really sure looks like people believe that. Uh, yep, sure uh, does. And so, the NFL, no more uh, COVID <laughs> yeah. protocols. Yeah, <laughs> COVID things are getting wild, folks. Bowl. Things are getting wild. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, this movie is pretty good. I won't lie. Um, I, 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 my Would expectations you- were low. My expectations were I'll be indifferent about this, even though all the ratings. And all the reviews and stuff I was reading were actually overwhelmingly positive. Not five star positive, but just pretty positive, you know? And it I makes was thinking, me wonder, can you, can, what are you supposed to do with a film like that? Like, what if you just destroyed it, right? Because, I mean, it's, it's touchy subject matter. And unless it was really handling it poorly, I feel like it'd be in bad taste to, like, really blow it out of the water, right? To some degree? Uh, no, I, I don't. Uh, yes, on, on, a, on a cultural level. If you yeah, talk what, shit yeah, about a I mean. movie that people like about something really important, they automatically think, you know, you're being an asshole. Or if you didn't like this movie, but it, like, it, you know, hypothetically, if you didn't like Jordan Peele's Us because you didn't think it was that good of a horror movie, you're racist. You know right, what I'm right. saying? That, that's, like, what, this that's, is, what that's what I'm saying. This that's is saying. the culture, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, so. And Did again, you like Us? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, for the most part, it's like a three out of five movie for me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I love the represent. Honestly, that was a huge thing. I love that Jordan Peele is all about representation. It's not just movies about black people talking about things in the black community. He'll just have like a regular movie, but he just casts these people. That's mm-hmm. the way to do it. I love that. You mm-hmm. don't have to talk about race while representing race. You mm-hmm. can, but you don't have to. And I right. love that Jordan Peele does that. So more power to him. I think that movie should have been better and deserved to be. But it wasn't bad. Like, I still enjoyed it. Um, but, it, but you know, there are movies like, you know, like Antebellum, which uh, I got to, I got a screener for and got to watch. We actually interviewed um, the filmmakers. I kind of feel bad, but that movie sucks. <laughs> 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 um, but it's not about the race. Like, you know, like a lot of times I'll want to watch a movie and my wife will be like, is it just all guys? You know, because like, are there any women in this show or in this movie? And my mind doesn't even go there because my thing is, what does the movie need? You know, yeah, yeah. but I want the representation. But it's like if you're watching a gangster movie and it takes place in the 50s, women are going to be like the side story. That's just the yeah. reality. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying I want it to be. I'm not saying I agree with the culture in the 50s. That's just how right. it's going to be. Like women were thing. treated as lesser. It's not something we think about, though, either as like straight white dudes. It's not something that's in our fucking purview all the time right yeah so and, and we can recognize that and it's fine it's perfectly fine yeah. we recognize that and it's yeah. not you know we can champion it happening but what does the story need right exactly but my, my problem though is movies that are uh about women and, and 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 uh uh focusing on women and stories about women i love that but quite frankly a lot of them suck or are mediocre mm-hmm. and i just want them to be better because they deserve to be no. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love the concept but, of this. But you hate women because you're saying this. Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about women in a second. Um, but no, the, the the fallout, though, that was a tangent. I'm good at that. Uh, the fallout is uh, pretty good. Also starring women. All right. If I like Mass, <laughs> well, I like this. Well, I like this movie. If I like Mass. 
I don't think that's a one for one. No, Um, this would be because I think there are some some great. This sounds terrible. It's like saying like, well, I thought that rape scene was well done. Um, But like it's yeah, it's, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it sucks, but it's like well done. Um, No, uh, I think I think saying like the best school shooter movies, (laughs) like (laughs) it just sounds fucked up, you know, but the the ones that that, stand out to me that I think that I think are the most powerful. Um, is uh, Gus Van Zandt's Elephant? Uh, uh, that was the one that came to mind immediately. Yeah, um, because I think that it, I think that does first ones probably. Well, I think that like does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that does what the Fallout kind of wants to do for part of it, but not entirely. So I see the three movies I'm going to name as different avenues. Right, um, Elephant is very much allowing you to experience every aspect of this experience. Right, that's a tough movie to watch. It is, and when I showed it to, I've shown it to people who didn't know it existed, like Jason, my uh, buddy that yeah. you know, and uh, that like was one of the gateway movies that helped him understand film. You yeah, know, yeah. was like that movie. I think it's, I think it's inherently cinematic. And then Mass, which shows a perspective of parents and yeah. really forces us to tackle the idea that parents of a shooter does not equal that they are inherently bad people mm-hmm. um, and vice versa. The victims, it doesn't mean that like everything they do is correct. Like both are black and white and they tackle that gray, that gray space. Uh, the fallout is more about um, if, if elephant started with the shooting instead of ended. And then mm-hmm. we watched how the students had to cope with that emotionally. How do you deal with that type of shit? You know what I'm saying? How do you how do you as a teenager, not the parent, how do you as the teenager who experiences firsthand, how do you deal with that shit? And how do you look at the person who shot people and you're like, I didn't think they were a bad person. Like and then you look at the siblings of those people and you look at them differently. And uh, you can't deal with the emotions because you've never had to deal with emotions that big and they're too hard to deal with. So you medicate those feelings with um, affections from friends, from lovers, so on. You know, you take drugs, you do, you drink alcohol more than you normally would. You do this. It sounds stereotypical in a way, but this movie actually does it, I think, in a pretty effective way. It's not perfect. And it very much like there's I'll tell you one scene that I don't really care for. And this is very much like an exclusive scene. Uh, the whole movie's not like this at all. But there's a scene where uh, Jenna Ortega's character and her father um, are driving off, and her parents are really concerned about her because she still hasn't went back to school. They're kind of letting her decide when she feels ready, and she's just not dealing with her shit. She hasn't went back to school yet. And uh, her father takes her on a trip, and they go out into the gr- into like the woods, and he ends up stopping the car so they can look over this like. Uh, beautiful kind of like uh, mountainous area and they can just look over the city and see the skyline and uh, uh, you know the Jen Ortega's character is just kind of like to herself because she's still like fucked up about this shit and she's trying to be normal and her dad just starts yelling stuff I mean it progressively gets there but eventually he just yells kind of into the air toward the city you know just like sometimes life's fucking hard you know and then like he encourages her to do it she starts yelling and they have this like bonding moment that is the changing point of the film where she feels like she can talk now and express herself and you know and it's like that's just some cliche bullshit Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like and that i did not like that scene um and there are there are only a few less than a handful a few scenes like that that kind of honestly took me out of it I feel like um, it kind of minimizes large, trauma a little bit, but um, that's a whole different conversation. Well, so the good news is that scene did not make it where she's okay. 
It made oh, her look okay. at it and it? want and want to tackle it. Right, that was you. it. Okay. So it did not make I, that. I misinterpreted that. It sounded like it was like it was like this is now she's fine. She yelled into the fucking sky. Yeah, you interpreted <laughs> it the way I said it. I said it wrong, but yeah. um, but yeah. So it, it's it's interesting, and I mean, she like what I like also about it. And this isn't a spoiler. Like this is something she'll deal with for the rest of her life, and the film oh, makes yeah. that very clear. Like this isn't mm-hmm. going to be something you can just fix. Yeah. Uh, I think the end is actually very powerful. I actually really like the end. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, like the scene is very much a hangout movie. Like there are just scenes where you're literally watching her and another person hang out and they're just like eating McDonald's or whatever, driving in the car, singing songs on the radio and talking about like, making you believe like it was Johnny's brother that did this or whatever. Right. Um, yeah. you know, but it's like very much like peripheral conversation. Like they're not really. It's very slice of life a lot of times. And uh, that that's what I liked about it. I liked that it wasn't this very specific, like cut and dry, very formulaic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the film kind of breathed and it let the characters just kind of manifest rather than forcing, forcing them down our throats. So uh, all that to say, Fallout is, uh, I think, a good movie. Um, I, like I said, it was a movie that got some buzz. It was in the festival circuit last year. Um, I encourage everyone to go check out, uh, check it out on HBO Max. I'm not saying it's gonna blow your mind. Why am I burping so much? I'm drinking water. You're disgusting. (laughs) God, dude, Mr. Perfect's gum. That's all I'm saying. All right, check out our TikTok, li lwiw pod. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, I, I have uh, I have uh, three more. This next one's going to be real fast because one, you can't see this movie. Two, Charlie hasn't seen this movie. But I just want to get it out, and uh, I'll probably do like a proper proper review for it when it finally does come out. I'll revisit this movie, but I do want to talk about it just so people are aware of it. Uh, and then the last two you've seen, Charlie. So uh, when I hit those, we can kind of talk about them a bit more. Um, and we're actually doing better on time than I thought. So. Uh, yeah, the other movie I had an opportunity to see that is not out yet. It was in the festivals last year. It was in Sundance in 2021, uh, has not been released yet, nor do I know when it will start streaming yet. There are no dates for that specifically, but it was a film I gave a four out of five and it was written and directed by someone named Ninja, which is very cool. Ninja. The Thibur. streamer? The, no, the no. Fortnite player Ninja? <laughs> no. You wrote a movie? Uh, no, nor nor the uh, the uh, male vocalist for Deantward. Uh it is neither one. Um it is Man, uh Ninja Thyberg. Less interested. Yeah, Ninja Thyberg, uh Swedish filmmaker. This is technically a Swedish film even though it entirely takes place in uh, uh like the San Fernando Valley or something and it's all about the US porn industry. It's a film called Pleasure. Is, and is the Bergmans um, in it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, <laughs> it, it, it has a cast. This this is a completely new person to me. It's uh, Sophia Capel. Uh, it is a uh, Swedish uh, actress, and uh, she comes from Sweden in the movie. She actually travels to the U.S. to try to make something with her life. She wants to fuck, so she's like, oh, "I'm going to get in the porn industry," and uh, that's what she does. And the entire film is very much like I described uh, the Fallout minus the bummer shit. Well, it's actually this is a bummer too. But um, but it, it's very much the slice of it. life. It's like scene after scene, right? Where uh, you're just kind of watching her experience this life, and you're learning what the life is like. Um, of course. Can I ask uh, one question about it? Yeah, because I think it's an important part to ask. Is it about the like contemporary porn, like internet porn, or yes, like the old VHS, like you know, 
nope, internet takes porn? place takes place modern like very like right now so, i'm and, super interested um, then it sounds fascinating yeah and and it's very much i mean this is very much casting couch like you know yeah. she is this new person she gets an agent that agent owns a house and everyone i'm so glad i don't have video on this thing <laughs> and uh <laughs> he's being so dumb so uh and uh all of the women that are under this agent live in the same house you know and so some agents have really nice houses and they're like really high end, you know, agents. And then it she's in like, like a, Hot Girls Wanted the movie rather than the documentary. There's a documentary about. Have you seen Hot Girls Wanted? Hmm. It's about porn houses, like you're describing. Uh, but it's it's the actual ones, not the. Well, this is very focused version. on Sophia Capel's character. I think she's in every scene. It's like one of those where oh, okay. you're literally following her, and she starts as a, a noob. And whenever she's with her agent, and they're like, so. What kind of stuff do you want to do? Like, you want to go like, you know, full anal, like double anal, you know, like they're just saying all this shit. And mind you, everyone listening, uh, th- this is not something you just want to jump into if you are one easily offended or two would be sensitive to this. Um, there are straight up like erect dicks in this. There's no like straight up penetration in the movie, but um, like it's extremely graphic. And uh, and it's uh, a lot of the actors in it are actual porn stars. So they actually pulled from the porn industry hmm. and everyone does actually very well. So it's I don't mean that in any kind of a cheesy way or anything. It's actually really well done. Um, lots of acting experience. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, well, so it starts. So, you know, she basically does this like uh, questionnaire on what she's willing to do and of course, you know, if you want to get to the big times, you have to do everything. But she's trying to work up to it. So she does her first job and it's really easy. And it, what I love about this movie is it doesn't demonize the sex industry and sex workers as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, the first person she works for is kind of shitty, but like uh, like very supportive. But in a way where it's like, I really just want to get this movie done. Can you like, please like yeah. do it? But let's, he's being really supportive <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. Trying to help. And um, so it, it's a little tricky there, but then she works for this, like uh, this woman who makes this like feminist porn basically. And they're like taking such good care of her. And she's like, feels very at home. And she learns just a lot about herself in that scene. And then, uh, you know, then she, uh, finds this one agent, the big time agent, the one where if you want to be this guy's going to be a star. <laughs> yeah. If you want to be on his team, you have to do anything. You have a certain like wardrobe you need to wear. You, like it's very, very. It's all meticulous. about the product, baby. Yeah. All about the product. And he's the best for a reason, quote unquote or whatever. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, you know, she starts looking at that and she calls him cold calls him one day. And it's just like, I want to be one of your girls. And he's just like on all the sites that, you're on for like us agents or whatever. You don't do this. You don't do this. You don't do this. And that's the, essentially what encourages her to go out of her comfort zone. That's where shit starts to get fucked up. Um, because she, she does like a, uh, a like really super hardcore, like bondage abuse. Like the guys are slapping her and you know what I mean? And she's like breaking down on set and like, they're like, they have to stop and, um, but it's funny because they're being such assholes. And then when they stop, they're like, are you okay? Like, is everything yeah. like they immediately switch, but it feels pretty natural. My point in bringing this up is like, it's literally, well, I think that's like a real thing in porn though, too. Right. Like, I mean, not that I'm a porn expert or anything, but like, I'm pretty sure that they have like, <laughs> I I mean, I've watched, never mind. 
but they have like <laughs> intimacy coaches and stuff like that, just like they do in movies, like for porn, right? That's still a thing. The, yeah, you know, the sex if it's industry a real is... place and not like the you know whoever in fucking yeah. an apartment in West Hollywood or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Since since the porn, uh, glad he ate her which is the gladiator uh, thing. I actually only know that because it was in a video store I watched in their porn room. And <laughs> <laughs> or that I watched, I think I said, I'm at worked at, uh, and we had it, and is I saw it, and I was hole? like, this is the greatest, like, <laughs> I've never heard a better parody name than that. It's really But anyways, uh, the point is, uh, this movie is actually really good, I think. Uh, it's not perfect. Uh, but it is uh, it was a good ex- I, I like movies like this, I should just say, you know, it's there is no direct narrative. You're putting it together as you watch it. Very much slice of life. Very much watching her go from the bottom, trying to work her way up and do what she has to do. There's fucked up moments. There are uh, like kind of uplift, not uplifting, but like less fucked up <laughs> moments, you know, like like the the thing where she was on the set and they had people yeah, taking yeah. care of her and like it was genuine Pointed and she right. liked it. Yeah, porn done right. Yeah, so, so it was is like this, is this the Francis Ha of like porn wow. movies? Wow. Would you put it no. that way? Because this is what no. This, no? this is you like this is what fucking showgirls should have been. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> showgirls is a fucking masterpiece and you watch your mouth. <laughs> I just watched it last year. It's so terrible. But <laughs> why am I even here? Masterpiece. But um, <laughs> some would argue. Some argue that's his best film, which is hilarious. But anyways, um, okay. <laughs> like hardcore that it's this big subversive thing, and I'm just like, fuck off. Who, so anyways, this that? is this Who's is literally that? like the Gen Z showgirl. Like it's just the way showgirls is done right. You know, it is really a similar dude. It's a very similar story because even in showgirls, you have the main character and she has these girlfriends that are also dancers. That's very much this, but in the porn industry. Um, but yeah, like everyone's using like an iPhone to make it because it's obviously for the internet. Like you said, you know, it's just very contemporary. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some people have criticized it because they say that they think that it, uh, it applies like a morality stamp on it. I didn't get that at all. I, I think this is kind of an amoral look, more of an objective, uh, subjective because it follows uh, Sophia Capel's character. But I don't think it's demonizing anything. I just think it's showing the different aspects and the different types of people and the different scenarios some people get into. Um, and and uh, I just thought it was really cool. I think there might be merits to some of the criticisms, but I just didn't have that experience. And maybe that's just me not knowing as much about the porn industry. But to me, I thought this was like a really I don't want to it sounds so demeaning to say it was a really cool movie. It was um, an enlightening movie in some ways to me. You know, it's just like a, a really were it not so explicit and stuff. I don't think it would have the same effect. I think it's very important mm-hmm. that it's the way it is. And uh, so uh, a 24 was buying the rights to it. Uh, if I'm pretty sure this is the movie I'm thinking of. And they got the rights to this and they wanted to make a rated R version and an NC-17 ver- an unrated version. Uh, of course, they'll make money that way, you know, because you can't you're not going to get anything with an NC-17 and Ninja Thyberg, the director, didn't want to do the rated R. Um, and then uh, Neon, the company Neon, uh, which is um, uh, let's just put it this way. It makes a lot of sense. Neon would want this. Um, <laughs> and uh, Neon picked it up and they said they were going to release it without a rated R version and only, you know, uh, NC-17 or whatever. I the love that. The way it's meant to be seen, uh, they're willing to lose the money on what they're going to lose, and that's great. Uh, yeah. This got this got some pretty good buzz at the festivals and stuff. 
Uh, hopefully Neon puts it out soon. Again, I will probably talk about this and do a proper review when the movie comes out. But I just wanted people to know this exists. I'm super I interested think it's, based on hearing about it. I think it's yeah. a fascinating premise. I think it's an interesting thing to follow. I mean, again, not to sound like a weirdo, but like I watch a lot of documentaries, a lot of which is on like the porn industry and stuff. And uh, just without having seen any of it or hear, you know, I don't know nothing about this. I didn't even know it existed until you just mentioned it. It sounds like the way you're describing it, things that you see in these documentaries that actually happen to these people getting into the industry and how they and seeing how they deal with it, seeing it in a narrative version through a film, I think will be super fascinating to watch. Uh, so I'm excited. Yeah, it's good. Are you ready to talk about quickly about two movies that you've actually seen? Yeah, because I don't have much to say about one, but I I'm could talk saving about the, the best other. for last. So I think we're going to talk about the one you don't have much to say. And that's yeah. that movie is I Want You Back from 2022, written yeah. and directed by Jason Orley. Uh, the cast. Oh, wait, no. no oh, yeah. No, the no, cast no, is super people. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still have. I basically copied and pasted uh, my last uh, episode's notes and I forgot to change the <laughs> cast. This was clearly Donnie Darko because it's Jake Gyllenhaal, Jenna Malone, Maggie Gyllenhaal, like all these people. Um, but anyways, uh, I'll, I'll just uh, do you have it pulled up? I don't. I, oh. I'm focused on you and looking at you. All right, well, I'm um, pulling it up right now. So it's uh, Charlie, Charlie, the only Day's people that matter. Yeah, Charlie Day and Jenny Slate. These are the two yep. main characters. And uh, this is a rom-com, everybody. Uh, this, this, I think this is a straight-up 100% rom-com. February so? 11th, 2022. We can talk about that. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. I actually really like this movie, despite only giving it a 3 out of 5, which is still positive, just uh, closer to neutral for me. Um, because I don't think it's really anything special at all. And I don't like it like a lot. Like, it's not a movie I'm going to like, if, if, you know, you were to come over, I'd be like, dude, let's watch. I want you back. I would show you a billion other rom-coms before I would this watch movie. that with you and hold your hand while we were watching it. And I, I would let you, um, this is, uh, this is actually surprisingly good. I thought though. Okay. And again, not a great movie. I need this to be very clear. If I talk hype language right now, the ceiling is a three. Okay. <laughs> like, like I need this to be in context. I'm not trying to put this movie over more than anything else, but I am probably going to talk about it more excitedly because this one above all, I thought I would really not like this. And I actually had a great time watching it. Um, before I ramble on and on and on, uh, I'm going to give a brief premise of it. And then I just want to hear your thoughts before I go. Okay. Sure. Uh, the story goes, basically, uh, God damn it, I have the wrong cast on here. I keep forgetting. So Charlie Day is dating a young lady, uh, Anne. So he plays Peter, and Peter and Anne are together at the beginning of the film. And Ginny Slate is Emma, and Emma and Noah are dating. This is Scott Eastwood, um, uh, Clint Eastwood's son. And uh, so <laughs> I wish this was video so bad. Anyways. I wish this was video and you didn't know it was video. Like, I wish I had you. I'm recording video, so I have it. Oh, you want my it. God. <laughs> Folks, we're about to get some great content here. <laughs> this makes me so happy. Anyways, uh, Charlie Day, like I said, plays Peter. And uh, he and Anne break up at the very beginning of the film. Jenny Slate plays Emma. I'm talking like the first scenes you meet these characters is the breakup. First 10 minutes. First 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Yeah. Emma and Noah break up. Uh. Emma and Peter work in the same building and they're both crying in the stairwell over their respective breakups and they hear each other and they start talking and then they slowly just start to become kind of friends over the next 
20 minutes, basically the first act of the film. And at the end of the first act of the film, it comes to the point where they're like kind of jokingly. It reminds me of Strangers on a Train, the Hitchcock movie, where they both are strangers and they're like, kill my wife, I'll kill yours, you know. Um, But in this case, like they are both in on it being serious, unlike Strangers on a Train. That's where it derails. But (laughs) no pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) You fucking nerd. But anyways, yeah, I'm 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 proud of that, actually. (laughs) But anyways, uh, but uh, Peter and Emma decide that they are going to try to befriend the other's ex partner and try to break them up with their new partners so that, you know, Peter can get back with Anne and Emma can get back with Noah. This is the entire rest of the film as they are trying to build relationships with these people and uh, and break them up. Um. And Charlie Day for me, and now I know you're Charlie. I know you're a huge Charlie Day fan, from what I understand, especially because of it's always sunny. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Charlie can, Day can be a lot for me sometimes, and I don't always like him, but I do think he's funny. And it's always sunny. He has some moments that I really adore. I'm just not like hype on him, right? Mm-hmm. But I do like him. He's an I actually, That's I, for actually sure. I agree. But he, I actually really liked him here. It's a mm-hmm. bit. It's definitely reserved when compared to It's Always Sunny. But he's still Charlie Day. Like my wife, my wife came in when I was watching it and she was like, is that Charlie Day playing Charlie Day? <laughs> yes. Because it's still very much him. But it's well, just a bit in, more like, toned Real down. Steel is the same shit. Yeah. But yeah. But he fits perfectly here. I think I think he does really great. And Jenny Slate is Jenny Slate. Like very much the persona that she plays in any other movie I've ever seen her in. Right. But they really I loved their chemistry personally. And I think when you have a rom-com, that's really important. Uh, don't just be a fucking cookie cutter force template bullshit, which I don't think this is, though it does fall into that. And I think the characters have to have some level of chemistry. And I th- I really enjoyed their time together. I wanted to see them on screen together. And by halfway through the movie, whenever they uh, start kind of uh, like looking at each other in a different way, like, wow, you're not just some guy I worked with. Like, you're actually a really nice person. Like, I get why. Like Anne's missing out on this or Noah's missing out on being with you. You know, like mm-hmm. they start to see each other as humans. I really appreciated that. And I wanted to see them hang out more. And um, all of the sabotages too, them trying to sabotage so the uh, the ex-partners is actually really funny to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, man, I, I honestly thought this was really fun. I definitely did not pass it off to you before I talked. I have more to say, but I want to hear what you thought because you've seen this. I know what you think. I actually, uh, I've seen it twice. Actually, I watched it myself. Uh, I think I seen it. I think I saw it before you did because you said you, you were did. watching it, and I was like, "Yeah, I've seen it." And then I watched it again a couple days ago uh, for a different reason. Um, I actually, I agree with everything you're saying. I don't think it's a great movie. I think it's it's a fine movie. It's fun. It's one of those ones that you turn on and you get a few laughs out of. Um, and what really sold it for me, like most things, was the dialogue. There is moments in there I actually laughed out loud, like watching this movie by myself with like some of the the lines and like how quick witted uh, and just maybe not quick witted it's writing, but the, the delivery that Charlie Day has in some of the scenes, it just cracks me up. Right. Uh, let alone the the chemistry between them two. It feels real. Like, wow, like they're actually trying to do this it doesn't feel forced at all. Um, I would argue a little bit in the beginning. It was like it was when I first started watching. I was like, "This is a little rocky. This is going to be dumb." But once it gets going, and like you see their chemistry build, like it would with any friend that you have in real life, right? 
You don't just click immediately like sometimes we see in films. This took them hanging out a few times, getting drunk, going to karaoke bar, et cetera, et cetera. And then eventually, like, they're scheming together, like, how they're going to do it, right? And it felt better and more interesting. Um, I think uh, from a writing perspective, I, I kind of said at the beginning, like, I don't think it's a rom-com, but listening to you talk about it a little bit more, I think it, it, it is, but I think it takes the genre a little bit and flips it, or at least subverts it, sort of. And maybe there's other films that do it this way, but that was also interesting to me. Like, if it's a rom-com, you obviously get what happens at the end to some extent, but um, it didn't feel that way while I was watching it. I didn't feel like I was watching your traditional, like, uh, whatever, Dick and Jane or whatever, or, you yeah. know, pick one. Uh, so that was super interesting to me. And um, But really, it was just the writing for me. If it wasn't as quick-witted and it wasn't delivered the way it was by those two characters, I probably could have given it up. But for me, it was it was that chemistry between those two and the way in which they interacted with each other and the Eastwood boy and Anne Rivera. I can't remember the, the actress's name. You know, th they were very good side characters and like catalysts for these things to happen. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's those it's as a whole, it's very much a three. I agree with you completely. The ceiling is at three, but four or three, it's very good. It doesn't do anything super special. It doesn't do anything new and entirely different. However, it's fun. It's funny. There's moments in the film that I think will make anybody laugh because I think some of the stuff is universal. Uh, and I just super enjoyed it. And that's aside from being a Charlie Day fanboy, I guess, to an extent, too. I love Always Sunny. Uh, I shouldn't say I'm fanboy. He's done a lot of stuff I don't like. Uh, but being a huge Always Sunny fan, you know, it felt like the, the, you know, the kind of reserved Charlie Day that you see there but still having those moments where he gets you with those little quibs that just like, they just pierce. It's so yeah. funny. I like, like, I like, when, like all... the, particularly the scene that yeah, is coming go. to mind when he's with Noah in the gym and he's getting his pictures taken and Noah's like, yeah, I'll get you firm. And he's like, eh. <laughs> like shit like that. Those little <laughs> moments like yeah. that shit cracks me up. Um, or when he's so trying that, to get him to take his shirt off and he just keeps yeah. saying like, <laughs> I'm not yeah. fucking taking my shirt off, but he's like trying <laughs> yeah. to be cool. It's yeah. that delivery is just, it, it's so good for me. Um, yeah. But you have to recognize it's just your standard. It's very formulaic. It follows all the beats. But it's it does. But, but there are a few things, speaking of the writing, that I actually like. And I'm not talking about the dialogue. I'm just talking about more of the narrative. Sure. Because uh, it starts with, like, again, the very opening scenes of these characters. You have the breakups. But then before they meet each other, there's like a few minutes where all they're doing, it's just constant reminders of the one you yeah. lost. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. and yeah. Dude. I've been there like sure. this movie, I think, really starts off and hits some really key notes in a way that is believable. I'm not saying in terms of like the movie's realistic. I'm just saying like it hits in a place that you can really relate to. You think it's easy uh, to a, buy a, in early? Yeah, that's what I mean. A, a, no. a Hallmark movie could do the same thing, but it's going right. to be fucked up because it's not going to be relatable. It's not going to do it in a way where you can go, oh, dude, I felt that exact way. I fucking did. And of yeah. course, they do it in a bit of an exaggerated way in this movie because that's what yeah. it is. But it's like still at its yeah. at its but core, going back it, and checking the Instagram and doing all that thing. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. or or that, or like uh, like laying in bed, cinnamon toast crunch in your hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or or like her getting really drunk and wanting to call Noah. Yeah, and yeah. then like Charlie Day's character, character like you can't, you can't do it, you yeah. can't do. You know, yeah. now I never got like drunk and wanted to call my ex, but I get it. 
that yeah, what you, leads you to that i was there, yeah, been there i yeah. sent texts that were weird yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean like <laughs> like like i get it like that urge and i i understand all of those things so oh, yeah you know, um, but it also like at times it just hurts to watch and not not in like a bad way, not in a negative way. It was just I'm just like watching it and it just kind of hurts because, you know, behind its humor and immaturity at times, because the immaturity is part of the humor. Um, I think I think it's more the characters are immature unless the movie is immature. If you get my differentiation there. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it like it hits all the things like I'm saying, you know, it hits all of these things that you mm-hmm. would go through in that moment. Uh, I mean, dude, I I never sat and cried in a in a stairwell, but there were things that I did where people recognized that I was going through something, no matter how much it, I was trying to hide it. And those little moments, I thought, uh, were actually really well done. This is, uh, I think, to its core, like very much a romantic comedy. It focuses exclusively on romance and the relationships between people, and um, it does not, however, follow the exact same. Uh, thing as a, a straight to DVD uh, rom com or I think, a I think that was kind of my com. point. Like it, it doesn't follow the exact structure, it hit all the beats in those orders, uh, which I think is what I was trying to say. But like, yeah, it, it is when you think about it at its core and what a rom com is and what it's about. Um, it turns it on its head a little bit, maybe maybe not on its head, but at least sideways. Um, it does some fun and interesting things with the idea. But you're right, at, at its well, core, I, where it is still just a romantic. Yeah, I think I think the um, I think I also like it because it's again, if if you were to take the comedy out of this, I think the story itself, albeit kind of ridiculous, uh, or well, straight up ridiculous, uh, <laughs> but I think I think at its core, it's hitting a lot of things. It wouldn't work entirely, but I think you could actually move this into different genres, and it could potentially work with some slight alter alterations. Of course, the specific happenings, no, mm. but honestly. I'll just say it very vaguely. So for people that watch it, they won't know what I'm talking about, but you will. Or if you've seen it, you will. Um, But if you're trying to sabotage a threesome, that could actually be really intense. It could go go really wrong. Yeah. Imagine if that was in uh, Pleasure. (laughs) Imagine if that was in a Tarantino movie. You know what I'm saying? Like (laughs) there'd be Mexican standoffs, which sounds racist, but you know what I'm saying? Ninjas flying in and cowboys. It'd be wild. Nazis, so wild. The bear so, Jew, and just everybody <laughs> come in, dude. Yeah, you get you just like yeah. I'm not gonna go there, anyways. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this is a three out of five. But it's really, uh, it's it's very entertaining. Again, it's not a great movie. It's not one I really ever care to see again. Though I would watch it. I would happily watch it. I will probably never go out of my way to watch it again. Um, but it is worth a, a watch. You should check it out. Uh, I I think it's a, it's a fun it's a fun mm-hmm. little romp. I did watch it again. twice, despite I watched I watched it in a class is the second reason I watched it. I had students watch it um, parts of it, not the entire thing. But uh, I have a very different way of rating movies than Austin. But it is uh, I agree with his assessment here. Um, just a fun movie. If you just need something to watch and you're bored and you want to laugh, I think it'd be hard not to at least smile during many parts of this movie. It's just fun. But yeah. the the real the real fruit from the tree here okay the forbidden is, the forbidden tree is the most uh is one of the more recent <laughs> movies on the list which is uh david blue garcia's i say that as if we actually know who that is nobody uh, knows who he is texas chainsaw massacre the netflix movie that came out february 18th 2022 
Uh, the story, however, was created by uh, Fede Alvarez, who is the guy that did he directed and wrote Evil Dead, the remake from 2013, which I didn't mm-hmm. like. Uh, though the last two minutes of that movie fucking rule. It's the last blood two rain and like chainsawing someone in half. That shit's awesome. But the I only hate thing that, that movie. Made it better was Slayer coming in. Yeah, rain of <laughs> that blood, would have dude. been so fucking good at the end. Uh, Super for- cliche. Don't care though. at least in the credits come on once they kick you have rain of blood come on yeah come on come on get a taste get a taste get the gabagool all right so uh uh don't breathe he also wrote that alvarez wrote don't breathe if you're a fan of that i didn't realize he did these things by the way i I had no idea until you're saying no I, th- I thought that i thought don't breathe is fucking hilarious there's a turkey based in that in that there is can i just say that Anyways, so this is on Netflix. Um, here, here, here's my rating. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna out it now. One and a half out of five. And you know why gracious, it got a one and a half? Gracious. You know why I it got know, a one and a half? I know why. I seen. It's the not scene. that scene. It's not no. that scene. But that's well, one reason. That's one reason because well, at least I got a laugh. Two point five. <laughs> that no. scene gives it a whole star. It does. Uh, that's the one. <laughs> that's the one. The half is um, is a, f- a few of the kills, which I thought were fun, but that does nothing for me to make a movie better, per se. But um, I watched it with my wife. We had a great time watching it. Like, it was bad. Laugh all the way through. <laughs> we just thought it was bad. It's just yeah. really bad. I watched it by um, myself. I, I wonder what it would have been like to watch it with somebody. Uh, yeah, I was it's, cracking up the entire time. See, we didn't laugh the whole time, but there is a point where someone gets hit in the knee with a sledgehammer and it goes backwards, and they I go, thought that was genuinely awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we both like, like yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. winced. Um, there are a few moments. I also like the moment in the bus uh, where he comes on and everyone lifts up their phone because it's really goofy. I mean, it's so stupid. It is um, stupid. But Conceptually, I love that scene. Conceptually, I love it. Yeah. I executed terribly. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, but uh, I also love the fact that they're trapped on the bus with him. But you know. yeah, I also love that some Again, that they are they are live awesome. streaming on social media and people are like, "How can I ride that ride?" Like they're just being dumb. It's like mm-hmm. that's so what would happen at first mm-hmm. until people yeah. realize this shit's real and then they'd like get fired from the Again, university the or something. So <laughs> <laughs> the execution super bad, but conceptually, I thought it was like that scene particularly, I think was. Good. So anyways, yeah, we're yeah. talking inside baseball here, because if you haven't seen this movie, you don't know what we're talking about. If you have, you do. Yeah. Uh, I'll just say this. I thought uh, I thought. Uh, uh, the. Look of Leatherface, I was fine with. <laughs> I have no fucking clue how this fits into any kind of canon. I get I get the story they're telling, but it's, it's like I don't understand how any of this makes sense. So he's not fifty. No, I know it's what's happening. Is he the, the same guy? Is so off. I don't understand and what's happening. There's an interview that explains it. I'm not going to get into it now, but they talk about it. It's it is talked about on the internet. It still doesn't make sense. So you're not wrong. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, this basically, is, there's this- a big suspension of fucking belief going on to make this connect. Yeah. Uh, like they move the events of of the original, yeah, the original Texas the Chainsaw original, Massacre, yeah. but like thirty or forty years. And it's like what the fuck? Like yeah. it doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, I mean, like if you were doing like proper real time, this should have taken place in like the nineties at the latest. You know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Like because the first one's 1974. Yep. Yeah. How how is this possible? Anyways, because they yeah, the they address like, it. He's like 25 or something. He looks like he's. Not he, that old. Dude, he would be like in his 70s or something. Dude looks yeah, like he's in his late 40s ancient. tops. He'd be ancient. And, 
uh, and then and then, but but the thing is, uh, the woman that gets away in the originals in this one, and she's like yeah. a billion years old. Yeah, she's not. She doesn't even look that old in the movie, though. She should be a billion years old. I mean, Here, the, it, this is what I'm saying. Sense. She nothing looks a billion sense. years old in comparison to what fucking Leatherface oh, looks yeah, like. Yeah, what yeah. I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. the age is not equal. You know, there's no, no we, parallel here. This is perpendicular. The continuity to its, is garbage <laughs> for what they're trying so, to accomplish. But here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Let's push that aside because who fucking cares, right? It's a fun movie about you know Leatherface killing people. I'll, let's just act like that's not even a problem because, quite frankly, yeah. that will not affect how entertaining it is so much to me. I think that's but horror it, it does horror. bother you me. Have, you have to push if for the vast majority. I, I'm willing to say the vast majority of horror. You have to push some of that shit aside sometimes, right? Like sure. horror generally, you have very good horror films, but most of them are this, right? Because it's easy to make. It's often yeah. easy to make. Maybe not this particular film, but you get a lot of shit. 